I was born in Chula Vista. No, you weren't. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> what hospital were you born at? I don't know. It's weird. It's like, do I call myself a Californian, a SoCal local or not? Because oh my gosh, I was born there, but when I was uh, about two, we moved to Japan. Oh, cool. We were there until I was five and a half, so about three and a half years, and then we settled in Texas and Houston. Nice, nice, all good places. I went to Tokyo for the marathon. Oh, nice. And I was like, this country is so cool. Yeah. Like it's so cool. You know, you just. You don't know it's going to be that cool until you go and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like I am so impressed. But yeah, I've, um, I live in Chula Vista now. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, in San Diego, but, um, I live here by like the Olympic training center. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so like out here kind of by the mountains, but I've like lived here most oh, wow. of my life. Um, and so, and then my, my job is I'm a commercial real estate broker. So I do it just like basically a lot of, you know, San Diego, but a lot of Chula Vista. So that's funny that you're born here. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of the Olympic facility, right? Training yeah. facility. Mm-hmm. I was just there in 21 or oh, 2020. Cool. I did a road trip, a cross country road trip. Yeah. I have an uncle that I haven't seen since I was like two or three. Oh, cool. That's <laughs> so, so random. I went out there. Yeah. I went out there like a year, a year or two ago and he is man, he's like in that neighborhood. I yeah. ran through the facility and I did like some off trail and like a little lake area right yeah. around the facility. Yeah. Otay Lakes. I think that yeah. was it. Yeah. It might've been it. No, it, it definitely is. It's um, yeah. I mean, I, I live like right by the, the facility and it's, oh, I mean, cool. it's, their track is like gorgeous. It's overlooking the, the, the lake and the mountains. And it's just, I mean, it's beautiful. Is it open to like the public? Not for just 100% touring. 100% not. Like, could you? Yeah, I was going to say, is it like a tourist destination? Like you can go and just tour the facilities? Um, You might be able to like, I don't know if they have something like with hospitality to schedule something, mm-hmm. but I've, I've toured it a couple of times with like different San Diego groups where they're like trying to like expose you to different parts of San Diego. I've, I've toured it like that. And then okay. I've gone my own as well, but it's, um, it's really cool. Yeah. It's like elite people are there. Yeah. Yeah. Some elite runners, some elite athletes, which is always pretty cool. High tech facilities. Yeah. High tech, high tech, more high tech than our setups. Right. Yeah. And no, I just run on the streets in New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Cool. All right. Hold on. Give me one second. I might need to put of my course. puppy away. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Come cool. On, give me one second. You couldn't even hear your puppy at all. No. Oh, well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't talk. He loves to play though. Like, so yeah, it's so distracting. As a, yeah. As oh, well, he'll jump on here. Like he will yeah. make sure I pay attention to him. Just like my um, daughter. But he, I think he also knows like, when I do the shows. And so he's like, no, 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 your attention is there. I need it to be here. And so then yeah. he'll, he'll wake up from his nap. Yeah. He'll wake up, yeah. wake up from his nap, make a point to make sure I'm paying attention to him. Such a pretty, <clears throat> such a pretty dog. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I got lucky with him. He is actually pretty tame, pretty calm, even not only for a puppy, but as a Husky and he rarely talks only when he wants to play or when I'm not paying him attention. He's a good one though. But what about, what about your daughter? Congratulations. Thank you. She's amazing. So I, um, I'm going to be 38 next month. I had my daughter at 37, which was such a blessing. You know, I didn't, you know, it's really hard when you're, when you're this old to decide that, you want to have your life totally change and you just are like, not really certain what that'll look like. And just, you know, there's just so many unknown variables when you just kind of take that jump. And, um, you know, it's, she's amazing. I'm so grateful. I have her and my life is so much busier and I'm like, I don't know how I get things done, but somehow it gets done and it's so much more worth it to balance everything. Cause she's so great, you know? It is a lot of work, but it's also like the best thing. So, um, and she's 10 months old this next week, I think. So, um, yeah, so it's been really fun. You know, I, I didn't know I would like being a mom this much, you know, I think that you kind of have to just like make a jump and hope that you like it. (laughs) Anything life-changing is so, it's so hard to anticipate what's going to happen, you know, and much less the effect is going to have on your life really. So that's crazy. Yeah. It changes everything, but then it also like makes everything worth it. So you're just Mm. like. Well, like I'm all, I'm doing everything for her. So it's like, and it makes me happy for me. I've been working full time all, you know, 
since having her, I, I didn't get maternity leave because I am on commission, you know, I'm a commercial broker. So, um, like I consider it like a luxury that I give myself like a gift to be able to feed my daughter hundred percent and feed her through the day. Like that's what I give back to me because it makes me happy to make her so happy, you know? And that's like kind of what being like a parent is, is that like the things that make you happy are what makes your baby happy. And that's like how you like treat yourself. <laughs> yeah. I totally you know? get it. So yeah. for me, it's like a luxury to be able to take that, like, you know, 15 minutes out of my day and, you know, feed her for a little bit and, or spend time with her because it makes me happy. And so and me being happy and keeping me happy is a, is a good thing, you know, like, and keeps me more productive. Right. It's almost like you're living for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, everything I do now is for her. She's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, that's I love so her. Cool. I'm so, That's I'm amazing. so obsessed. It's like the worst. <laughs> it's like why you don't want to have parents on this podcast. They're like mm. so lame. <laughs> no, it's cool. No, it's all good. I mean, not to compare like apples to oranges, but with yeah. my puppy, you see, he, you hear yeah, him already. He, he announced himself. Yeah. Getting him. I didn't know if I would have time for a puppy. I didn't know, Yeah. you know, like much less where I was going to be living or what my work situation was going to be like, you name it. Like a lot of, yeah. a lot of unknowns and variables. But as soon as I picked him up from the litter and he clung to me and was on my shoulders and like yeah. had his head next to mine on alert, like had my back. Yeah. That he immediately. Yeah. That bond was uh, right there. Unbreakable bond. Yeah. Immediate connection. And so now everything I do, I'm like a puppy dad. I think of him all the time. And it's all um, worth it. You make it work. His name is Shade, short for shadow. Okay. And that's not an exaggeration that he's always by my side. Like he is my so shadow. Sweet. He is yeah. always near me follows me everywhere like everywhere that I go he goes he loves road trips he loves being in the passenger yeah. seat you name it so like, he like your is sidekick my shadow yeah exactly my ride or die yeah yeah so that's cool. I love it all right here we go I'm gonna knock out this intro real quick hey what's up y'all welcome to the safe for the stories podcast I'm your host Jacob Elijah joining me today Kim Clark otherwise known as track club babe world traveler, run coach, San Diego native, marathoner, and recently a new mother. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. I am so excited for this. All right. So let's dive right back into it. Awesome. Are you open to talk about the decision to start a family? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really hard, you know, it's hard being a woman and having a career and then feeling like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidetrack it if I have a baby, you know? And so I really wrestled with that for a while. And then you got, I got into running and was, you know, so excited um, and really just chasing down these performances that I was really excited about. And so as I was improving, you know, I was just like, well, I can't have a baby now. I'm getting so much faster. And, mm -hmm. you know, and even with my career, it's like um, in commercial real estate, it's all men like hundred <laughs> percent. And there, there are no women in the field. I mean, there's like very, very few, like in San Diego, there's maybe like two or three other female brokers, like out of all the firms, it's just, they're not in the field. And so I just thought like, this is going to be like, how do you even make this happen? You know? Um, and I ended up with my running my, I, I ended up dealing with some health issues in 2018 that took my marathon from, you know, from, that took me from being able to run this like breakout performance in the marathon to, I was sick. I couldn't get over it. And it lasted for a really long time. So that was like end of 2018. And I was like dealing with it through probably 2020. It took me a really long time to get better. Um, it ended up being like, um, like Epstein-Barr plus hypothyroidism, just a bunch of little things combined with like you add marathon training on top of um, your body having like some like hormonal issues like hypothyroidism and, and this virus. And it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't get out from under it. So I was, I took a ton of time off. And so then finally, like at the end of it, I thought, you know what, maybe um, <laughs> I'm not doing anything exciting with my running. I'm not in shape. Do I like want to get back into shape and then have to take time off then? Or like, since I'm totally out of shape now, should we just like, you know, consider having, you know, a, a family now. Mm -hmm. And my dad was also, my dad's my business partner okay, um, in real estate. And he, um, he was like, he was a big um, push for me with that. He said, 
you know, Kimberly, I don't want you to like regret not doing it, you know, like not having mm. a family. Cause you've always said you wanted to. And I know you're really focused on your career, but like we can make it work. Like it's going to be okay. Like you, um, you know, I, I think you should like consider having a family like sooner than later, you know, cause I'm like, now I'm almost 38. So he just like, he really encouraged me like in a really like positive way. Nobody ever put pressure on me to have kids. It was more that he was like, if like, it's if you're just so focused on your career that you're putting off on having a family or, or not thinking you want one because of just a career, like you're, I don't want you to miss out. Like if you, you know, like he just didn't want me to miss out. And so anyways, we, you know, ended up having our daughter Clark and she is just pure. I mean, she's amazing. She's an amazing daughter. And so like, I didn't plan like when I was going to have my daughter, you know, I didn't, I, I was so happy to have her. I was so excited about life. And then like, I don't know if you know this, but, um, um, five weeks, um, after she was born, um, my dad got a diagnosis and, um, ended up going to heaven 46 days later. So she was not even three months old. And it was just like the most horrible thing, you know, like my dad's my, one of my best friends and he's just amazing. And I work with him every single day and I live with my parents right now. Cause, um, I'm remodeling a home down the street. And so it was just totally devastating, you know, but like, I'm just so grateful to have had, like, I thought this, this there could not be worse timing to have a, a daughter, you know, there could not be worse timing to be a new mom when I'm, I still have all my work responsibilities and we're going through everything with my dad and, then I'm like a new mom. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, and I'm taking my husband and I are taking care of her full time. And, and now I'm like, I'm so grateful. I have her. Like if I wouldn't have had her, it would like, life would be so much harder than it is now. You know, like she just brings us my whole family so much joy in a time of like a lot of grief, you know, it's just been incredibly difficult, but, um, she's, you know, the, the best part of my day, she looks just like my dad, <laughs> And, um, she also like, just is so joyful. She's so happy. And, you know, so it's, it's, it happened at the absolute worst time of my life to have a child, but it also happened at the best time because I needed her, you know, that's wild. It's a lot. <laughs> well, there's no such thing as coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. The worst of times or the best of times, like things happen exactly how they should or when they're supposed to. I really believe that. I mean, like even I had just been wrestling for months, like, do we, when do we start a family? And I mean, if I had delayed even a few months, which is what I thought that we should just in general, just because there were some other things going on too, if we had delayed at all, like, you know, my daughter and my dad would not have met, you know? And so it's, you know, it's amazing that I got to have my daughter meet my dad. And we had, you know, we had a couple good weeks before, you know, it got really, really horrible, you know, and a lot of things going on, but you know, it's, it's still, you know, at least you got to know I had a daughter and, um, and I'm, I'm grateful too, that she was already born when we were going through that, because I mean, I don't even know how you could live through that being pregnant. You know, it would just be so difficult and so hard on your body, you know, to be just going through so much, you know, and she's 10 months now. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. She's just so cute. <laughs> Is she learning how to run before she can crawl? She loves, she loves watching like my running videos. Wow. She is like a, totally obsessed. She'll be in the zone. She can watch the same video like a hundred times and she'll just mm -hmm. be like running with it. Oh, that's like, so cool. Yeah. Like if my husband wants to keep her calm, he just gets my Instagram and has her watch reels of me. <laughs> there you go. Wow. It's so cute. That's a life hack right there. Yeah, Listeners. I know. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. She's loved it. She was my little running buddy when I was pregnant. You know, I ran up until my due date. And I was going to ask you about that. Oh my gosh. Running pregnant, especially like when you're like very pregnant and it's summer is like mm. the last three miles of like a hundred mile race. That's what it feels like every day. <laughs> Were you running just to stay in shape or to keep up performance or were you following a training program? Right before I got pregnant, I had taken seven months off of running. So I like was not even out of shape. I was like, there was no shape. You know? <laughs> no uh, shape. And the I shape was non-existent. Yeah. The shape was non-existent. So I was like starting to run when I was like pregnant. And that's like, you know, a mind trick because 
you're out of shape and then your body's even more exhausted. So not even your normal baseline. So I was like Mm -hmm. trying to get into shape while I was pregnant, Mm -hmm. um, which is like very difficult because (laughs) you're dealing with other things going on too. So, um, so I was, I was running like very little mileage just for me. It was just for me to be out there and to be like, you know, when you're pregnant, you deal with like so many weird body things, you know? So like by the end of my pregnancy, it was like kind of painful to walk, but like, and so you, and you feel stiff and you're huge. So then like running was like the only time of the day where I felt really fluid and more like myself, you know? So it was really, it was really freeing and I just enjoyed it. So I just did things that I enjoyed. It was so, I ran really slow every time I went out there, but it made me happy. (laughs) And I was able to run until I literally gave birth to her. So Mm. I was just really grateful for that because there are so many amazing athletes that, you know, their body doesn't let them run, you know, longer at some point. And, Mm -hmm. and if you're pregnant right now and you're, you know, trying to figure out how much to run or not to run, just listen to your body. If it doesn't feel good anymore, swim, walk, like you don't have to be a martyr. You can just do whatever (laughs) feels good. And you're still an amazing runner, even if you need to slow it down or, or do walk breaks, you know, it's just whatever keeps you happy and moving. Emphasis on listen to your body. Yeah. hundred percent. You have a baby. That's like priority number one. Mm-hmm. And then wow. priority number two is just to get some fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> get out a little bit, get some fresh air. Can you even say fresh air when you're in New York? No, nope, you cannot. <laughs> no, you're right. I used to do all my runs on the treadmill. Ooh, like, no. like all my runs, except for like my speed workouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you're literally missing the sun. Like you're missing going out and being in nature. And that's so good for your body and your health. So I, I stopped only running on the treadmill. It, it became a crutch at, at one point, just because I was like, I can only run on the treadmill for my easy runs. <laughs> my intro into running was on a treadmill. I started on the treadmill and then worked my way into running on the outside. roads. Yeah. And running outside for me, having not running the majority of my life and then getting into the sport was difficult. I looked at it like if I get on the treadmill, the belt is going to be moving so fast or fast enough that I need to run. It's going to yeah. force me to run. And so yeah. I almost forced myself to get into the habit of the sport. That's good. My mindset was give it two to three weeks to build a habit and then it'll become easy. And that's exactly what happened. And that's all you have to do. That's what I tell people too. I, I said like, at one point I had taken a significant amount of time off and I was totally out of shape again. I've like, that's the story of my running. Like I've been totally out of shape many, many times. <laughs> roller coaster. Um, it's a roller, a coaster. roller coaster. It's a true roller coaster. Um, but I, I was out of shape and I'm like, I really want to qualify for Boston, but I was like out of shape. So I said, okay, you have to get back into shape. <laughs> so I just committed. It was like in the winter. So I committed for all of December. I'm going to just get on that treadmill and I'm going to do two miles, no matter how long it takes me, just run slow. But every single day I did two miles in December. And then by May of that year, I qualified for Boston. So like I went from totally out of shape to like, okay, just get, the, just get the wheels in motion. We just got to get this, got to get back on the tracks, you know? And then once you do, then you can net from like after that month of just getting that consistency, then you can start setting a schedule that starts building, you know, but if you don't get that that kind of commitment and consistency, then you can't ever build, you know? 100%. Consistency is key. It is. It is. <laughs> I love it. Training while pregnant. Did you have any weird cravings? The first trimester, you, I went through different, like maybe one or two week periods. Like one week would be like, I could only have fast food. Like, and I, like, I'm like, oh my God, I, like I don't want, I need in and out immediately right now. I have to have it. And that was like for like a week or two and and like healthy food, like my normal, like grilled protein and like mashed potatoes or vegetables. No, thank you. Do not want it. Please don't even ask me about it. Then the next, like the next stage was like only pasta, absolutely only pasta, pizza, like mad carbs, carbs. yeah. Yeah. And then Like, you know, I've like marathon trained before I've done 80 mile weeks before I have never experienced, like nothing touches the hunger I experienced during like this one. It was like in the first trimester, like I would like eat a full meal, like, so like, I was like done. I was so full at eight 30 at nine o'clock. I'd be in bed nine 30. I'd be in bed. And like, I can't sleep. I'm so distracted by my hunger. Like that's, Mm. it was just unreal. And so I would be like eating in bed, like bringing bars to bed. I'd wake up at 11 at night. Eat, eat some more bars. It was just like, it was like, I've never experienced anything like that. It was out of control. 
for me, the biggest hunger part was in that first trimester. It was mm. wild, off the charts wild. What's your go-to in and out order? Oh my goodness. So I get the flying Dutchman because I don't eat, um, I don't eat gluten, the flying Dutchman. So that's with no bun, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love in and out. Are you an in and out person or like a five guys or a shake shack? Well, here's the thing. I've been a vegetarian for the same amount of time. I've been a runner going on to five years now. New York is a probably an, an easier place to be one too, because they're food options there are amazing. So many options. Caveat being though, is I'm also a self-taught cook. So I love to cook and I know my way around the kitchen. So if anything, I cook more than I go out to eat. Oh, that's cool though. I've been cooking since I was little, like three years old. There are pictures of me uh, like climbing on top of drawers so I can see above the kitchen counter and I'm on the stove <laughs> and I'm making my own pancakes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, love that. My, my go-to. Self-sufficient. Yeah. My go-to uh, TV channel was the Food Network when I no. was three years old. Yeah. I kid you not. It's a true story. I'm always like, how can people watch it and not just be hungry all the time? not only just being a vegetarian for a handful of years now, but I haven't had fast food in like 10 plus years. Whoa, that's so good. I cut off fast food, soda, candy. That's good. I'm just now getting a little more lenient with my diet. I wouldn't call it restrictions. It's just more like healthy eating. Because I cook, my mindset is why buy a box of Pop-Tarts when I can make it? Or like, why buy this when I can make it? I love it. And I love to experiment, which is also great. So like I've made s'mores from scratch. I have a cookie jar that normally is is usually always full. Oh my gosh. So you're just like baking yourself your own. Yeah. I bake, I cook and yeah, you name it. That's awesome. I want to get more into you and commercial real estate and your job. But before I do, I want to ask, is it too soon to run with Clark in the stroller or do you do that now? Eight months. That's when you're um, like the guidelines are to wait until they're eight months old because mm-hmm. their neck muscles are more developed so that they can handle the bouncing. So I started running with her like literally a week and a half ago. Um, nice. And the first run, I was like, after a quarter mile, I was like, okay, babe, you can walk with her and I'll run the rest of the way and I'll get her on the way back. So I'm like, this is not like, no, this is hard. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm doing it out on like the trails, um, like on dirt, you know, and like sometimes hilly and it's just, it's like, a like you're pushing, you know? Um, and now after that first run, that was like, it felt really difficult. I tried it again, still is difficult, but I'm more used to it. So I'm getting more used to it each time. So I've only done it like four or five times, but I enjoy it. Nice. It's, it's way harder though. And you go a lot slower <laughs> or well, at I least I do. Listen, well, hold on. Here's the thing, but you have wheels. Yeah. So walk me through that because it's, it's, is it, it's still difficult, I'd imagine, but you have wheels. So it almost counteracts because you have wheels. You would no? think you, that's what somebody <laughs> thinks who has never strolled around. <laughs> that's that you will find yep. out yourself. All right. We'll and then see. later when you're like pushing your mm-hmm. baby, I'm going to be like, Jacob, it has I wheels. I told you. Yeah. It has wheels. It'll come Jacob. Circle. Yeah. No, I've you know, always thought about that, but it's good. No, that we're getting it out here because I want yeah. people to know and yeah, those who might not know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, cause the stroller is not like light, the bit, your baby's mm-hmm. in it. I'm using a car seat on it, which you're not supposed to be doing. I just found that out. So mm-hmm. I have to take my car seat off, but I like, like my baby and I to like, look at each other, you know, we mm-hmm. just like stare at each other while we're running. That's cool. Does <laughs> but, she like um, encourage you to go like does She, yeah, she loves it. That's cool. Yeah. She's, she's obsessed with mom and mom's That's obsessed so with her. Cool. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So it's, I mean, a lot of it comes from when you're going up and down too. that it's, you know, you're like, you're literally pushing, you know? So mm-hmm. if there's any type of Hills, if it's on dirt, you know, you're like, you're pushing this thing. It's, it sounds easier than it is. <laughs> I can promise you that. Now, I know. I know it's <laughs> difficult. I just wanted to better understand how it is with. Yeah. 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 And maybe like on roads and like flat roads, it wouldn't be so bad. Cause you can like, just like push and it will go. Mm-hmm. But when it's like, you're like on just dirt, you know, like softish dirt. I mean, it's, I mean, like, you know what, like running in dirt feels like. It's like trail running. Yeah. It's, it's like I am trail, trail running. running with her. Yeah. So wow. she's a trail runner. My daughter. There you go. That's yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's take a step back. I want to talk to you about your journey into running. Okay. Before we get there, walk me through your journey to law school. 
and moving to DC and then getting into commercial real estate? So I like always knew I wanted to be a lawyer and my thought was I'm going to be a human rights attorney. So when I was in college, I um, like studied international relations and had a minor in French and a major in Spanish. So like with the idea that like, oh my goodness, I'll be so much more useful if I can speak, you know, a couple languages, they can use me anywhere. And so then I was going to go to law school. Well, I did go to law school. So I, I went to law school and I focused on um, like human rights law. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. I had um, a lot of cool opportunities, you know, in law school with that. I came out of law school during a really bad time to come out. Um, it was in 2010 and the recession and it like huge law firms that have, you know, been around for a hundred years were going under. It was just devastating for the legal field. It was devastating for every field, but the legal fields really got hit very hard. And so I came out of a top 20 school and I couldn't get a job. And that was like very difficult. Um, you know, because you're like the opening like intro at law school, they tell you, look, there's this many top firms. They need this many associates every year. You're in a top 20 school. You're, you're going to have the pick of the litter. You know, yeah. that's what they like promised us coming in. We're like, yay, we're, we're set. <laughs> and then we come out and like, no one wants you. You're like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like, uh, like I think it was a top like five school that they had to start, the law schools had to start disclosing what people were actually employed as because they mm. started like, no matter what you were like, people were waiting tables and they were counting them as employed. And so then they started yeah. wanting transparency. So they had to start listing what their students were actually employed as and like a top 10 school like one of the guys said like he was he's a sheep herder like literally because of this recession it went so bad that like a guy from a top 10 school is like wow. i my employment is being a sheep herder That's and <laughs> it's just like it was totally nuts anyways all that to say totally crazy environment i came back to san diego um because you know i my parents had been encouraging me to come back for a while. I didn't think I was going to come back for like years, like at least 10 years. And I felt like this urging to come back. And so I was like, fine, I'll come back to San Diego. I came back and my dad kept asking me to work with him. And I said, absolutely no way. Like I'm not, I'm a, I'm an attorney. <laughs> I'm not going to work in commercial real estate. And so I said no to him for basically like nine months. And then eventually my mom asked me one day, on a bad day because every day was me sitting down and sending resumes out for like nine hours. I treated applying for jobs like a job, you know, where yeah. I would do eight to five of applying and I was not getting anywhere. And she's like, you really, you know, I really think you love working with your dad. You should really try it out. I think you're going to, you know, really enjoy it. So I said, fine, I'll give it a go. And so I um, said, you know, I, I, I started working with my dad and then three weeks later, this human rights organization that I'd been pursuing for a year and a half finally came back around and said, we're ready to have you deploy to Africa. Wow. <laughs> and I said, you know, I really appreciate that. But if it was supposed to happen, it would have happened in all the time I had given for it. And I've already given my word. So I need to continue with this, you know? And so that's in my mind, I had total peace about it because I had reached out to this company. I mean, to this organization, this nonprofit for so long. And my emails had gotten lost um, in, in um, like a position change. So the emails were okay. kind of going to an inbox that nobody was actually managing anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like, look, I gave it so much of my effort and I did that for a year and a half to, for no results. And I already made a commitment. So I have to feel at peace with this because I already felt at peace when I made this commitment to switch over to real estate. So, and I told my dad, I gave him my word. I would like give it a try. So I have to give it a fair try. And so then I did, I love real estate. I loved working with my dad every day. And because I decided to come back to San Diego early and then decided, and then things didn't work out for me in law, then I got to be with my dad every single day for the last 10 years, you know? And so if I had, if I had stayed in DC or moved up to New York for law, then I wouldn't have had all this like super precious time with, you know, my parents and my dad and 
and I didn't, you know, none of us know what's going to ever happen next, but like, I am, you know, I'm so grateful that I don't have any regrets with that because I did get to spend so much time with him being mentored by him and just getting to know him as a person and as a friend, you know, so I'm like so grateful for that. And so now I'm continuing on in our business together. Um, but he got to retire a little bit early. So, I mean, that's so cool to be able to stay connected with your family for me, in my experience, since I graduated high school, I've been out of the nest. I went to school out of state. I stayed out of state for a while and then made my way into New York. So like my, and then my family is in Texas and now in Florida. And so for me, I'm not as close to home. It has its pros and its cons, but I definitely am adamant about family time. And so I try to travel as often and frequently as I can. My family is down in Florida now, and I literally spend half a year down there. I just make I it work. That. That's cool though. I mean, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So it's nice to be able to spend time with your family. Um, you know, I'm just grateful for that. So that's how I got into commercial real estate. It was like never my original plan, but then now I'm in it. I love it. I think it's a, a lot of fun. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you love most about commercial real estate? The negotiations. It's so much, that's so much fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I really like, like just seeing how good of a deal you can get for your client. Do you have a good negotiation story? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, like on one deal, we had a building listed for like 1.5 million and we drummed up enough like feeling of competition that we got our owner $400,000 extra for the building. And nice. the 1.5 was already a reach. Mm -hmm. So, but like we were able to like, get a lot more built up excitement for it that they, everybody kept overbidding it. And this is people overbid in residential, but they aren't overbidding in commercial. It's not like that. You know, it's, it's totally different market. And this was a couple of years ago. And it, so we were like, this is a slam dunk, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so that was, that was exciting. You know, you have to like create interest and, um, and really try to make it so that people want what you have. That's crazy. That's so cool though. It is really cool. You work a lot of deals and then some of them go through and some of them don't. So like I had a client the other day saying, oh, well, like this much commission, it would have taken me this long to make in like in my job um, as a vet. And I'm thinking in my head, like what he doesn't understand is that like I bust my bottom every single day for all these deals and like maybe 25%, 10% go through. You know, and the things you could go so far down the line with something and then it just like, it drops off last minute. And so then, so that's, I mean, that's part of why the commissions are good because like you're working for a lot of different deals that you have no idea which ones are actually going to transact and which ones are going to just say goodbye. And you have to have a good attitude. You know, I have, I have uh, deals that fall out every day, you know, and I have deals that go through every day. So you just have to keep it moving. Keep the wheels turning. Yeah, there you keep go. The wheels, yeah, looking for the next one. <laughs> I want to talk about how you got into vlogging and blogging and content creation. When I got into running was 2012. And there was like a really, that was probably like at the like tailish end of like the big running blog era mm -hmm. um, or like in the middle of it. And so I was a totally new runner and I had no idea what I was doing about anything. And so I like somehow stumbled on all these running blogs and all the bloggers were kind of connected and they were all like everyday bloggers for the most part. So I would just every single day, just devour all of their content. And it was like, so helpful for me as a new runner, like whatever shoes they told me to buy, I was buying <laughs> whatever socks, you know, I was getting wearing the pro compressions, whatever. I, I just, I had no idea what I was doing and they were so helpful. You know, it was, um, every day kind of understanding more about their training and running and racing. And so I saw that and I loved it. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I want to do that. And I want to have a blog, you know? So my idea was never to be like on Instagram. And so I created my blog and my blog is trackcobabe.com. I think I haven't paid for the GoDaddy on it because it was on an oh, old no. credit card that, you know, had fraud on it or something. So I have to, it like my blog isn't even up right now. That's how bad I am. But, um, but I, so I created my blog, trackcobabe.com and I posted every day and like blogs are, I don't know if you've, if you've like, you know, written blog form, I don't, blogs are a lot of work, you know, like coming up with this whole thing. My friend Janae, hungry runner girl does blogs every day and she's amazing. I'm like, it's so much work. 
And so I was doing that. I probably faithfully blogged every single day for like a year. And, you know, everything about my training, everything about my races, I was doing a lot of fun races at that time too. And so it was, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, it, it went nowhere. It went less than nowhere. <laughs> you know, so I was like blogging to myself. <laughs> hey, that's, that's why, that's why when my blog went down about like, I don't know, six months ago, not one person has said anything. Like nobody's mm. like, Hey, where's your blog? <laughs> that <Wow>. thing was dead. <laughs> I think blogging is, it's a, a lot of work and a lot of commitment. And at least it got me, like you said, that whole like consistency, like how am I going to, I'm going to do something every day. And so I was doing that every day. So I'd already committed to like, to making something work, but that wasn't the something that was going to take off for me, especially because it was kind of at the tail end of blogging. But my sister told me, you need to make an Instagram to promote your blog on. And I'm like, I really don't want an Instagram. This is not for me. I'm on Facebook. You can find me on the Facebook. <laughs> on the Facebook. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> find me there. Oh, man. She's like, you have to get an Instagram. So I was like, fine, I'll get an Instagram. So then I realized literally nothing was happening with my blog. Let me just take my blog posts and do long form, you know, micro blogs on Instagram. And that was before people were actually doing these long captions that I've literally been doing since day one, because all I can do is go long. Um, so I was, you know, doing these cat, I, I just said, okay, I'm going to take my blog to Instagram and I'm going to post on Instagram every day. So I started that in, um, 2004, no, 2017. I started posting just every day. I had already started like posting during whenever I had races, I would post on Instagram, but I just decided, okay, we're totally transitioning the blog over to Instagram. And I just started posting every day, my training, um, and then like for me at that time, um, there was like a lot of, um, exciting, exciting changes. I was finding out that I could, that I could be making to change my running, you know, and a lot of these people that I, I had been, you know, friends with on Instagram, they've seen me go from, you know, a, a three, a three forty runner, a three thirty runner. And, um, and so during the time I was like sharing like real time, what I was doing and like the huge changes it was making. And like, it was like my form was changing. And so I was showing them like side by sides of like my form from three months ago and my form from now and things like that. And like, um, nobody had ever talked about form really during that time. Like my husband was the only one, like I had coaches, nobody had ever mentioned form to me, like not one oh, person. Wow. I wasn't seeing any of the bloggers ever talking about form. Um, the only person who ever said anything was my husband to me. And just to say your form looks terrible. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, um, I don't think it looks that bad and I'm not going to change it. I feel great running how I'm doing. And then finally I saw myself looking terrible at a race in a video and I decided to change it. It shamed me. And so I said, okay, let's figure out this cadence thing you're talking about. And so then I started out like working on one form element that built on another and it like was night and day for my running. It really was. And so like, basically I started just sharing all the, like the little things that I was seeing that was started to make this big difference in my running. Um, and just trying to, like, I was the person that was like looking online for things to help my running, you know, when I started running in 2012. So I was just trying to give to people what I had been looking for, you know, like, um, to see if it could help them too. And, um, and so that's basically how I got into this and I've stayed into it and it's a lot of fun and it's, um, you know, it's really interesting. I love, I mean, I love getting to help people. I love if anything I've said has made an impact on somebody's running, you know, I, I think that's awesome. Like I want everybody to get whatever tools they need and take it into their running so that they can be the runner they want to be. What drew you into running? Why did you start running in the first place? So 100% because of my dad, um, my dad was, um, a marathon runner at 12 years old. He actually retired from the marathon oh, wow. at 12, but he had run three marathons, his fastest being 307. And like, he, just amazing. And his team won state in Wisconsin. Um, he actually was a world record holder in the marathon. Um, wow. and at his age. And so there's like, I just, I just found it out at like his service because his cousin showed me that there is this like sign, um, in front of their town, like world record holder in the marathon. It says his name. So I had That's no so idea. Cool. I actually didn't know that until literally a couple months ago, but when I was a kid, he had told me that he had run all these marathons and 
like in my head, I thought, I feel so bad. My dad doesn't have a son so that his son can run these marathons and be like him. So I said, I guess I'll have to be the son. (laughs) And so I was terrible at sports in high school and like nobody took me. Like I applied, I, I guess it's not applied. See, that's how much I'm not cool. I tried out for basketball and um, they didn't want me. Yeah. Wow. Any history at all growing up in sports and athletics or no? Um, I mean, like when I was like in junior high and like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I would like play basketball. So you would think that like they would take me as charity, you know, like, <laughs> like the default, like, yeah, you just have I had to a lot of enthusiasm. Up. Yeah. But no, they, you know, nope. they did not want me. It's okay. I forgive them. It's a hard lesson sometimes. Yeah. 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 I mean, they don't play. They, I wasn't up to their caliber. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. you know, I just, so then it was like my senior year of high school. I was like, I would really like the sport experience in high school, like being on a team and cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, I heard that, <laughs> the cross country team needed people and they weren't saying no to anyone. I was like, that's my group. <laughs> you know, my, my whole thought was always like, Oh my gosh, I want to be like cool. Like my dad and like a runner, like my dad. And then I got into cross country. Um, as a senior in high school, I was like totally overtrained. Our coach bless his heart. Didn't know what he was really doing with mm-hmm. us. It was his first year. And he never coached like young female athletes. So he had us like doing 10 to 13 mile runs. I hadn't even been running before that. I was like, so overtrained. I had um, like stress fractures in my shin splint. I mean, my, in my shins, I like all my toenails were always gone. You know, I was always getting my feet like lanced at the trainers. It was a night, it was a nightmare. Um, but so like my whole idea was like, I'm going to do this to make my dad proud. And then like, I was so bad that I like forbid my parents to come and watch me at any of my meets. So they never came and watched me. Cause I said, I promise you, if you come, I will like sit down on the course. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I actually didn't even know how bad I was. Like I knew I was bad when I was like in it. Cause I was like, well, you're slow. And like, nobody's like that excited about your performance. But like my, my friend, um, in town, she like had her husband look at my times because I didn't know, like, I didn't remember any of my times cause they were not like so memorable in my mind. And I didn't really like remember coming in last at races. I just, it kind of like was like a blur. And then, so like, she like sends me like my times and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> a lot can change with the right training. And so, and I didn't know that then. So like when I was like a high schooler, I was like, you're just not that good. And it's okay. Your dad was really awesome at running. And, but that's like, I guess it didn't like pass down or something. And, um, so then like, I mean, I was literally terrible at cross country and track, um, you know, equal opportunity, bad at both of them. <laughs> and I, I retired from it. And I didn't run a step after track season was over. And then this guy in my class, I was telling him, Oh my God, my dad ran these marathons. My dad's like an amazing marathon runner. And I just, you know, I'm going to do one one day when I'm in college, you know, cause college felt very far away. And he's like, you could never like, no, it's so long. You could never. And then there was San Diego rock and roll that weekend. So I was like, okay, I, I guess I will. <laughs> and so I went out, ran the race. It was, it was miserable. It was beyond miserable, you know, cause I hadn't been running at all. Mm. It's like a hot race. Rock and roll. Isn't that easy of a course. It just, it was a lot. And from like mile 17 to, to the end, my knees wouldn't bend Oof. because my body was just not trained. It was totally untrained. So I ran a six Oh eight and, um, I was so proud of it. I was so proud of it. Like you could not be like, I wore my medal. I was graduating that week from high school. I wore my medal all around campus that week. I got, like, I was just like, I just ran a marathon, you know, like it didn't matter to me what the time was. It was the fact that I accomplished this big goal and you finished. Yeah. And I finished, you know? And so, and that, I like love that, like, and I actually didn't even remember my time. I like looked at my time, like now that I've been a runner, like I looked at my time back then, but like back then to me, time didn't even matter. Like I did this, you know? And I feel like even just having that like attitude would be so helpful for so many people in our sport now, because we do get so focused on times that we totally like rob ourselves of the joy of the accomplishment. And like, you couldn't, like, you couldn't take away my smile that week. Like I was like showing everybody medal. I'm like, you can hold it if you want to. <laughs> like you thought I would like won a gold medal at the Olympics. Like I was like letting people try it on, <laughs> you know, it was like crazy. So anyways, I stopped running for 10 years after that. Cause I was like, that was done. miserable. Done. Yeah. yeah. I've done it. it off and I am a marathoner, yep. you know, I've done it so I can, you know, be happy. And then, um, 
I like, you know, went to college, went to law school, was definitely not a runner or even like, I didn't work out. I didn't do anything. Like I just lived my life. And, um, when I came back to San Diego, like, it was like, everybody is like outside here. They're like working out. There's like all these triathletes and runners. And, um, and then my cousin was doing LA marathon and she was like running and getting into shape. And I'm like, Whoa, like what is going on here? You know? She's like, well, you should just sign up for it with me. So I was like, okay. So like on Thanksgiving day, when I saw her, I'm signing up for LA marathon. I'm signing up for San Diego rock and roll marathon. They're like two months apart. And I'm signing up for a run club. Cause I'm like, well, she's in a run club and I know what happened the last time I didn't train. So I better yeah. like find a group to like help me. And I just thought like I would do those two races and then be done. And the whole point was to do a race for my 10 year anniversary of my first marathon. And, um, and so I just thought, okay, I'm going to like check this box. I'll do her race with her too. So that way, like, you know, what's two marathons in like two months, you know, like it's no big deal. <laughs> um, and so then we, you know, I got training, I got into it. They, as I was like training for it, you know, it was like seeming like I was improving as I was going. So it just, it sucks you in. my journey into running, if I look back, it started the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, did it? Yeah. So the week of Thanksgiving, I read in like an article that there was a pro arena football team coming into Albany, upstate New York. Okay. And so it was the week of Thanksgiving. And so I decided, okay, I'm gonna wait until the day after Thanksgiving to start training so I can do this tryout. Oh my gosh. I think in 2018. 2018. That's so recent. I love that you like are so involved, even though you just like recently got into the sport. I'm all in all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> These last few years has, have been eye-opening to me as an athlete because everything I do is net new. Oh, I'm, sure. already, I'm already setting PRs and yeah. personal goals. And because I've never ran this fast, I've never ran this far. I've never been yeah. in this much of shape. So yeah. everything I'm doing today is, is so, so new to me. Yeah. So fun. So cool. So I'm just trying to see how far I can push it. Yeah, you should. It's like, it's, it's the best sport. It's the best sport. And it gives you so much, you give so much to it, but it gives so much back, you know? Um, and I like, that's like why I love it because it's the most learnable sport for anyone. Like if you're bad at like basketball or something like that, like, I don't know, it's not as easy to like improve that, you know, like, you know, it's, there's, there's some level of talent involved in other sports and in running, obviously talent does play a factor, but so much more of it is going to be hard work, you know? So it really gives you back so much. My husband went from a 410 marathon to a 218 marathon. So like, you know, it's, it's a sport that literally can take an average runner and that average runner with hard work and consistency can go and take themselves to like the top level of sport, you know? So your husband also runs, do y'all train together? Do you compete against each other? Um, definitely don't compete against each other because I'm so much faster than him. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, I like when I first started running, I was, or like when I met him and was running, I was like extremely insecure with my running and I like, didn't want people to see me running. I thought it was very slow. I just, you know, had a lot of just insecurity with it. So I, so even somebody who I like love, I wasn't letting them watch me run because I was so embarrassed, which is so silly. It's ridiculous. But so then it took me forever until I let him like train with me. And then once I started letting him train with me, like helping pace me for my different workouts, I was like obsessed with it. I'm like, and you need to do your whole schedule around you needing to pace me for these there workouts. Like, yeah. so now you can't do your long run in this day because you're pacing me for my long run. So you're gonna have to do the next day tired or the day before tired. And so, um, yeah, so I, like, he's my favorite, uh, tra training partner. He, he is the best pacer is the best encourager. You know, I've had him help pace me to run like a sub 90 half. And he's like cheering me on the whole way. And, you know, has tears in his eyes as I'm crying, crossing the finish line. Cause he's so happy for me, you know, so he's a big cheerleader for my, uh, for my goals. And, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of, um, support, you know, in, in this sport, just because like emotional support, you know, because there's, there are a lot of ups and downs, you know, um, you go through enough things in different seasons, you know, how like keeping your mental game in the right place and just staying really encouraged is really important. So 
we try to do that for each other. You know, like he's gone through his share of stuff too. And, um, you know, but has pushed through it and, and did an, you know, Olympic trials qualifying race and, and ran into Olympic trials. And so, you know, you need your support system to stay encouraged and, and kind of weather those bumps. Do you have any tips for staying mentally fit? Yeah, I would say first, um, it's a practice thing. You'll never be strong in a race if you don't practice in a training. So every easy run, every tempo run, every speed workout is an opportunity for you to be mentally engaged and work on like your mental strength. So every single one. And if we just check out during our easy runs or our, our like workouts and don't like give ourselves the opportunity to like check in and, and fully practice this, then when we need to call on it for a race at the end of the race, we're not going to have it because we haven't been practicing it during our tempos and our speed workouts. And so like, I have a thing I say for a race, like from the start to the finish line, it's like a positive zone. Like it's totally negative free. I don't care what's happening in the race. Like my headphones can go out. It can start pouring rain. I can get a blister. I don't, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. whatever I'm thinking about, it has to be positive. It has to be encouraging to me. It has to be coaching me. You know, it has to be something that's going to help me. If it's not going to help me, if it's going to detract, if it's going to maybe lower my performance, then I'm like, I don't think on it because I'll think I can think I'll say, think about it after the race. You're not doing yourself any favors by doing that now. You know, like I'll have in my last marathon when, you know, I, I was sick running it basically. And the wheels were like falling off and all these people were like passing me on course saying, hi, track club, babe. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I'm like doing so poorly. And then you're like, you're having a hard race. You're not feeling good. And then you're beating yourself up on top of it. You know, I'm like, why am I even doing this sport? Like, I'm not even any good at it. You know, like, why am I still, should I just stop? You know, and you just think, and I just told myself in that moment, like you have no right to be this cruel to yourself when you're going through a hard moment, like Mm -hmm. you better stop. Like, you know, and so I, it's just like learning how to like, take control back of your thoughts. And I think um, a couple of resources I really like are um, a champion's mind um, by James Aframo. Um, How bad do you want it by Matt Fitzgerald and let your mind run by Dina Castor. And those are always like the books that I'll refer people to just because like racing is like as much mental as physical. And like so many people could get so much more out of their body if without even improving their fitness, if they just work on their mental game, like that's how like key mental game is like just being able to be that competitor that is able to go there during a race, you know? And, um, and that's like, you know, like you train with training partners and you're all training the same. So then when it comes to like racing, it's like, who can actually like make themselves go there, you know, and stay positive and tough and like, just like be relentless, you know? And so Um, it's, it's a practice thing though. And it's really important to like be practicing it during training. So that way, when it's race time, you're like a competitor. Mind over matter. It is, it is, especially in running because running gets uncomfortable real quick, you know? And like, it was funny. I had, um, like I was talking to my husband before one of our marathons and I was like saying like, okay, we're going to pray that it's like, not that hard. And he's like, no it's going to be hard. Like I'm like sitting here imagining how hard it's going to be because if I sit here pretending it's not going to be hard and then it's hard, then I'm going to give up sooner. But if I'm here, like basically like callousing myself to how tough it will be, I'll be ready to handle it. And even like in my own, um, like I just had my baby, you know, um, 10 months ago and I thought it was going to be like Kumbaya, like very easy, akin to a spa evening. And I just was like, it's going to be the moment I find out if she's a boy or a girl. I'm just so excited. It's just going to be dim lights, candles, worship music, just relaxed. It was like warfare, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) it was a battlefield in there. And I was not mentally prepared. I had, I had set myself up to just, it was bad. You know, I didn't set my, I didn't properly prepare myself for how tough it would be. And then when it got tough. I became weak because I wasn't mentally prepared. Like I had just like not set the right expectations. So I think mentally setting the right expectations when it comes to racing, like, Hey, it's, it is going to be tough. That's part of racing. If you don't want to do that, then just go out and take a walk, you know, but it's going to be tough, but you can, your, your, your 
fit enough to handle this. You know, you're tough enough to handle this. And so, so my next birth, I will know how to handle it (laughs) (laughs) and I'll be the one, you know, raging battle out there, not the other way around. (laughs) Track club, babe, walk me through how you got the name track club, babe. So I was trying to figure out a handle, you know, or a, a website name. And like, I wanted it to be, um, like a noun, you know, and this one guy who's like hilarious at my track club. So I was part of San Diego track club. And so he would, he was like, this guy is like ridiculous and irreverent and, you know, and he called like all, all the girls, like the track club and then the B word. And it was just like a joke. And he's like crazy. He's so nice. He's crazy though. So, um, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I should just name myself that. I'm like, no, that's a bad, (laughs) that's a bad name (laughs) to do. And so I was like, what do I do? And so that's, I substituted babe, um, for it. Yeah. So it's super random name, but he helped to name it on accident. He just called all the, the girls that. And so I was like, well, I'll take track club, babe. For you and your training program. Do you follow a very rigorous training program or are you much more adaptable and go with the flow with how you train? How I train now is totally different than how I used to train because obviously I've been coming back. So right now, or, or the times where I've been coming back from health stuff, I'm very flexible. I just want to listen to my body. I just want to work with my body. All I'm trying to do is just get back up to baseline when I'm actually training, like how I used to train. I, um, you know, I'm like, I have my schedule. I like to stick to it, but I've, I also know what happens when you, um, just are like, so like, I will not, you know, deviate from my schedule. I know what happens when you don't deviate and you don't listen to your body. And I've like paid the price for that, you know? So just knowing, you know, I have so much experience now, negative and positive. And so I think that that helps me just going forward because I will, be more flexible in listening to my body. You know, I've learned that the only way to have progress is with the right recovery that helps you feeling good again. If you're like constantly underwater, you will never progress, you know? And so there has to be like the push and pull, but I just didn't get that before. And I was just like, so married to my schedule that it was like my schedule or nothing, you know? And, um, and that like, is not the right way to do it. So now I just feel like I have so much experience. I'm going to be a lot smarter with training. And that's the kind of stuff we try to teach our athletes. Like, I don't care if you hit all the workouts in the week. That's not the point. I don't care what your paces are. I want you to be listening to your body through that. You know, like I want you to be hitting the workouts based on effort. Don't be freaking out about a pace. And then if something's feeling off, then you need to take it down, you know, like, and just my husband and I are creating, um, our program right now, fast start. And it's like for beginner runners. And I was just talking with him the other night and saying, it's so important. Like our notes in all of our program are really important. And like, the point being like, I want to give, um, each of our athletes so many notes and help them to understand our reasoning for everything that they do, because I don't want them to have to be reliant on a coach or anybody like with their running. I want them to like, understand the concepts and the principles behind things so that they're able to apply it to their running going forward. You know, like I want them to be such smart runners and have learned why, like, I don't want them to just have a schedule, see it with the printed thing and just follow it. I want them to understand why we're doing what we're doing, what our purpose is. So that way they can just be smarter going forward. Like they don't have to wonder if they should do this or that. They'll like, no, just intuitively because they've understood the reasoning behind doing something that way. Walk me through the process of becoming a run coach. So my husband was, he's been coaching for many years um, and, and he's a phenomenal athlete. And so he was, so basically I, I mean, I didn't intend to be a running coach, you know, um, what happened was I had like such a dramatic turnaround in my running. Basically, um, I went from like, I had run a three twenty eight marathon. So I qualified for Boston, but then I like went through like serious regression. So I went from three twenty eight to three forty seven, three thirty nine, three thirty eight. So still like 10 to 20 minutes off of my original time. And I was just going backwards, you know, like I was going backwards. I wasn't like it wasn't clicking. I was working so hard and nothing was clicking. And I was feeling like a failure and I was isolating myself from the running community. It was just, it was bad. So, you know, I didn't know how to get back on track and I finally figured out how to get back on track. And, um, it was with like short speed training. Like I did that. And like, 
I went from my last marathon being a 338 to a 311. And I ran that 311 like easy breezy. Like I could not have been having more fun and been more relaxed. And it just, like, I was like, this is it. Why isn't everybody doing this? Everybody needs to be doing this, you know? And like, for me, it just completely changed my running. It completely changed my confidence in myself. It helped training to finally click. And so I told my husband, we need to create a program that's based off of what I did because like nobody's doing this. They're just so focused on the marathon. They're not getting faster. And we want people to get faster because that's, what's going to do it. So we named it fast fall because it's coming out in October. It was supposed to be like summer of speed. And we were so slow in getting out that it was like, okay, I guess it's fast fall. <laughs> and it was like supposed to be like a one-time thing. And, um, so I like, I didn't think of like, a, like a name that would like last through all the seasons. You know, I wasn't like, I just, I thought it was just gonna be a one-time thing. I wasn't trying to be like a run coach. And I was, I was just trying to like, people had been wanting this type of thing, training that I'd been doing and had been asking for it. So I said, okay, like we'll do this training and we'll do it all together. So we released it. And then it's like, people just, it clicks with them. It clicks with their training. They're seeing such big improvement with it. And, um, and so then it's like led to more and it's, led it's led to everything it's you know that we've done so far and it's amazing but it really I wasn't intending to be a run coach I just wanted people to like have the training that I had done that like totally changed my running mm -hmm. you know because I wanted to change theirs too and and it has for other people and um and so in that process I've I've got my USATF certification I didn't even have it when I was doing this but I also feel like you can get your certifications but like so much of being a coach is like, just like understanding athletes, understanding how to work with people, you know, mm -hmm. all the certifications in the world can't treat, can't teach you what like actually getting it does. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Experience. It comes yeah. down to experience. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, that's why we have these programs. They're like our programs, like they're based on like focusing on speed. Cause we think that a lot of people are ignoring that in favor of just like grinding it out. And they're focused on recovery. Those are the two things that like I didn't have that totally because I didn't have it. It just like totally set me back. So mm -hmm. it's what I want people to like really get. Speaking of speed, what's your fastest mile time? Yeah, that's like not even a good question because I, my fastest mile time came in a workout Okay. and it was like mile repeats. So I did the first one at like 545 and it was like cruising, like not like no effort. It was four mile nice. repeats uh -huh. and like super embarrassing was I meant to like email my coach afterwards and tell him like, like I just was, I like locked into this group of girls. We were just cruising. It was so easy. I just did 545, you know, I emailed the entire group. It was like my <laughs> husband's like competitive team. Uh, yeah. Instead of sending an email to my coach, I like sent my coach this like long email about my 545 to this entire group of like collegiate athletes and like the top runners in San Diego. I'm like, that is really embarrassing. I'm so uncool. So anyways, it's, I've never done it. Like, um, I haven't done a mile race since I was in top shape. Mm -hmm. Um, like, like I, but you know, I would think that I probably could do under five thirty. Nice. But yeah. I mean, That's good. That's my goal cool. would be to under be under five minutes one day and I know I can do it. I just haven't trained for it yet, but in a workout at the beginning of a workout, I did a five forty five. Nice. That's still solid. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, moving. <laughs> I couldn't do that today, <laughs> hey, but you did it. You did it though. I did do it. Yeah. All right. Last question for you here. What's next? What are you currently working on? What's next for track club, babe, Kim Clark. So what is next is I have, I just started running after about eight months off. You know, I went through, I've been going through a lot, uh, in my personal life. And so, you know, I always say running is for you. So don't put pressure on yourself. And so for me, not I, I didn't push myself to be running when I wasn't getting enough sleep and I was going through a lot of other stuff. And so finally I've said, okay, now we need to start, you know, I want to, I want to give that time to myself again, you know, to start training again, whatever it looks like. So right now it's 20 minutes out there, but I'm getting fit again. And I'm like getting excited about it. And my goal would be a sub three hour marathon. Um, you know, and I don't know, exactly when I'll be able to like do that marathon. It would be cool if I could do like CIM in 23 and that's, you know, but I'm just at this point, just starting to get back into shape. I just want to get back to baseline. So I'm doing our fast fall program. I'm like, obviously very out of shape, but it's really fun. I like miss running hard. Mm -hmm. It's there's nothing like running hard. There's nothing like just like 
there's nothing like it. And, um, it's a joy to just be out there again. I'm celebrating everything along the way. So I like ran an 8:30 one mile time trial. Then I've done a 7:56. So I'm already improving. Uh, and it's just fun. You know, it's it's fun running hard. It doesn't matter what the time is. And that's why running is such a cool sport for everyone because whether you're whether your best that day is 8:30 or or 5:45, like you're pushing yourself on each one the same. And there's such like a feeling of like accomplishment to be pushing yourself and to like do it, you know, no matter what the time is. And so that's why like, we just need to celebrate where we are. I hope that like my story is encouraging for other people. If they're on the comeback train to, or have gone through things, you don't have to be at the top to enjoy running, you know, and you don't have to be just at the top to find your worth in running. You know, you're, you have such great worth no matter where you are. And running is just something that's supposed to enrich your life and make you a happier person. And, so um, that's why I run and, you know, it, the, the goals and chasing times are just icing on the cake. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. This was great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories.